at Anchored Hope, we're committed to excellence. We believe that compassionate, biblically grounded, clinically informed counseling shouldn't be hard to find. That's why we are also committed to affordability and accessibility. To do this as a nonprofit, however, requires us to lock arms with people who care about the mental, emotional, and spiritual crisis happening all around us. While our funds go to people in need of counseling and to support the growing ministry of Ingrid Hope, we have two specific financial needs. One is to serve ministry leaders in a foreign country that are caring and doing outreach to trafficked victims. The other need is a request to help in financing counseling for military families across the nation. If you would like more information about these two opportunities to give, send us an email at office at biblicalcounseling.online. Today on This Versus That, we have Yana Janae Connor. Yana is a writer and Bible teacher. She's been in full-time ministry for quite some time. She has an MDiv from Southeastern. She's also the host of the Living Single podcast. She currently is the discipleship director at Vertical Church. Our conversation with Yana today is about longing versus trusting God and singleness. This is a great conversation, whether you are married or single. I was super encouraged by Yana, and honestly, she's just a lot of fun to talk to. Here's our conversation. So Yana, this topic, even though I have been married for a little while, is super near and dear to my heart. And I think it's a super important conversation to be having. I have some of my best friends in the world are single women of all ages. And as being someone who has chronically discipled people for a long period of time, some of those women stay single. And I have become dear friends with them after decades of walking alongside of them. This is not a conversation I rarely have. This is a conversation I have all of the time. And different, there are different responses to the conversation. I recently was speaking with a younger woman who does have a desire to be married. And I was having that conversation with her. And she, at one point she goes, well, you just don't understand. And I thought, well, yeah, but I think that might be an unhelpful response to me. <laughs> uh, I'm not telling you that I understand, but here are maybe some similarities in the struggle of just life in general. Like it's struggling isn't siloed to one person or one experience, right? But we yeah. all have different seasons, even of longing. Anyhow, so I did listen to one podcast in particular, but we've had to put this off a couple of weeks. That we, and so I, I'm like, I was trying to remember. It's like, I don't even remember who it was, who you had on your podcast, but I thought it was really great. And you talked about in that podcast, enjoying the season of singleness that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Do you remember who that was, who you were talking to? I, I don't because I say that often, but Look I that. imagine that it was probably with my friend Antonisha. She and I were having a conversation about singleness in Advent and just sort of the parallels that we can see there in waiting and how a lot of times in waiting, we feel like, you know, we're just kicking rocks, <laughs> you know, like there's mm. nothing purposeful in in the waiting. And I think that's really how I felt about my singleness. And it wasn't until like one of my friends who is married said to me like, Yana, I don't want you to waste this time. And it was kind of like, you know, having somebody shake you and say like, like, wake up, you know, come, mm. come awake, oh sleeper, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I remember sort of just having to do this exercise that I had learned in counseling. I, I struggle with anxiety. And one of the things that my counselor had taught me to do was just kind of like, let's go to the worst case scenario. You know, and I'm like, well, mm. I don't I don't think this is good. Mm. Counterintuitive. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, let's go there. And so, but going to the worst case scenario and kind of neutralizing it, right? And given that my relationship status was an area of my life that was causing me to experience like, a debilitating amount of anxiety where I'm waking up thinking about being single, going to sleep, thinking about single, wondering about who's going to take care of me when I get old, <laughs> you know, like all of these, mm-hmm. like my mind's are, mind is filled with all these things and just asking myself, like, what if I am single for the rest of my life, right? What if it's not a season? <laughs> what if it mm-hmm. just is? Like, what if this is God's good and loving plan for my life? And and that going there really helped me a lot. One, it helped me to have an honest conversation with the Lord and with other people about what I was feeling. I think about like when I was in my 20s, people were like, oh, don't worry about it. You've got time, <laughs> you know, and then you you turn 30 and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. I don't have that much, much 
time, right? And so you're asking a different set of questions. And I feel like in my 20s, people were just like helping me to ignore or sort of stuff the anxiety that I was feeling versus like confronting it dead head on. And so mm-hmm. in in that experience, like just realize like, yo, marriage isn't the pinnacle. <laughs> it's not the great prize. You know, it's not the 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 gold Olympic medal, <laughs> right? Like it's 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 a part of life, but it's not the pinnacle of the human experience. And I remember being in seminary and one of my professors saying like, you know, Jesus comes down and not only does he die for our sins, but he also teaches us how to be fully human. And I know that he was saying something so much bigger than than what I walked away with. But I was like, yo, if Jesus came down and taught us how to be fully human, he did that apart from being married. Mm -hmm. Meaning that Jesus lived a full and robust life apart from being married. And just even thinking about John 10, where Jesus says, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Abundantly. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, that abundance isn't just in like one relationship status, right? Like, like that is, that abundance is available to, to all. And so just sort of realizing that Jesus wasn't married and he had a full life. And so I can have a full life apart from marriage as well. And that kind of led me to go on this scavenger hunt, right? Because Paul says that marriage is a gift. And the word that he used for gift in 1 Corinthians 7 is the same word that he uses for gift when he's talking about our salvation. So it's like, wait a minute, (laughs) it's got to be a good gift, right? Um, (laughs) And so how do I start to unpack this gift? How do I start to enjoy this gift? How do I start to focus on the pros of it versus just ruminating on the cons. You know, Paul tells the anxious one, right, to 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 think on those things that are lovely and that are of good report and that are praiseworthy. Well, mm-hmm. there there's so much in singleness that is praiseworthy. <laughs> there's so much in it that is lovely. And so not that I would like ignore, right, my feelings, not that I would ignore loneliness or just some of the struggles that come with singleness. You know, your friends getting married, you're struggling with jealousy and envy, you know, all kinds of things. Like, not that I would ignore those things, but allow those to be opportunities to turn my attention back Mm -hmm. to what is true, lovely, praiseworthy and of a -hmm. good rapport. And through that, starting to see like, hey, there's a lot of really good things here that I can enjoy. And it's not just freedom. You know, like it's not just that I can do what I want when I want to do it, because that's not really true. I can't. I got a job. I have friends. I have a mom (laughs) and a dad. Mm -hmm. You know, I just Mm -hmm. can't. I'm not like this free agent just living my life how I want to. I still have responsibilities, but I am able to take off for a week and go travel and see people. I'm not as tied down. Like if the Lord was to call me to serve in another country, like I could I could easily do that you know there's this I'm not tied down in the same ways that that married people are not to say that they're tied down in in a I don't mean that negatively but I don't have the the kinds of commitments (laughs) that they have and so I can live a little bit with a little bit more margin Mm -hmm. uh, in my life yeah it's we it doesn't matter what which of those aisles you're really in the the grass is kind of always a little bit greener if you're not careful, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like to say I think what happens at the altar, you know, when two single people are like, "Hey, we're about to do this thing. We're about to jump the broom. We're about to get married." Like they're just exchanging one list of pros and cons for another. Man, this, 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 this all that's that's, that's all that's happening, right? And and that doesn't. Well, it might true. not be all that's happening, but that is happening. <laughs> so, right, 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 right. There's some other things uh-huh. happening. There's a covenant, you know, for uh-huh. God, and there's a picture of Jesus, you know, and right. the bride of the yes. church. Like, but, but other yeah. than that, yeah. <laughs> but, but there's also just this exchange of pros and cons. And when I look at it like that, it's like the grass isn't, if it's green on the other side, it's because somebody is tending to it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. you you still have to to work over in marriage and and you might have to work a little harder and mm-hmm. having friends in my life who are married who model to me what that work is 
that's that really sobers me towards marriage, not in a way where I don't desire it, but it's just like this is not like just some small thing, right? And mm-hmm. when we sort of just have this romantic picture in our mind of what marriage is and what it means to raise a family, like it's 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 not congruent with what is actually happening, <laughs> you know, yeah. on the other side of the fence. It's work over there. It's sanctifying work. It's hard. Sure, they might have some benefits, but it doesn't give them a pass from having mm-hmm. to figure out how to to walk through hard things. So, so on the sing- singleness side of the fence, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis as you take that kind of big picture contentment and say, okay, now what does it look like to kind of faithfully live that out in relationship with Jesus on a day-to-day basis to tend to that grass? I love that image, by the way. I'm going to steal that if you're okay with it. Like, yeah, yeah, preach. that's fine. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, it's not what, mine anyway, so. <laughs> but yeah, what does that look like just to be faithful day-to-day? you know, in the, in the ups and downs of the, the challenges that are, that are unique to singleness? Yeah. I think one of the challenges that's unique to singleness is loneliness, you know, and so feeling, feeling alone, particularly because you, you might have community, you might have friends, but you don't have people who are in the, the thick of whatever you're going through. Right. In the same way, if you're married and something is happening to your child, then both of you <laughs> kind of are in that together or something's happening in your finances, both of y'all are in that together. And so I think what that looks like for me as a as a single person is 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 one, really being thankful for my relationship with God and the fact that, you know, when 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 Jesus says like, yo, me and the whole Trinity, we're gonna come in and and make a home, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in you. It that being single causes me to lean into that reality a little bit more than maybe someone who is married. And that's not, you know, like you got somebody so you can lean in together, right? But I have to lean into that a little bit more. I think also what's difficult is, you know, I remember my friend, Kinshiro, I had him on the podcast and we were talking about the fear of missing out. And he was like, Yana, the one thing that we actually are missing out on is sex, right? Like that is something that we we are we are abstaining from out of devotion to Christ. And there's a cost that comes with that, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I used to hear all the time people talk about how marriage is sanctifying. Listen, singleness is sanctifying. It's sanctifying over here. You know, like <laughs> like we are we are having to say no to ourselves. You know, we are having to say no to our fleshly desires on on an ongoing basis and and that's hard work but in that i think what we what we model to those around us is that christ is worth it you know like that christ is worth saying no to my to my fleshly desires that i rather obey him and live my life the way that he has created me to live it in a way that is congruent with his definition of human flourishing than to to choose to choose my own. And so I don't know if that, I mean, I can't say that I'm like, actually like, I am content to do that. <laughs> you know, like I'm content to obey Jesus in that way, but it does come, it does come with its hardships for sure. But I do think that, that Jesus is worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that has been a conviction that has come over time, right? There were other times where it was like, nah, Jesus is not worth it. <laughs> you know, like he's not worth it. But over time, I've I've definitely come to that, to that understanding. Yeah, I think the danger in this is it's the actual question, which is worse. Because as I'm hearing you share, I'm thinking about the, I don't know, hundred, tens, hundreds, thousands of women in a marriage that I've counseled who do feel lonely and their pain comes from feeling like they should have someone to be in the midst of those things with and they don't. And what's so then my next question in my head was, well, what's worse, having someone that should be there and isn't or already knowing that you are alone? But I think that the problem is that I'm asking that question at all, like Mm -hmm. the which is worse question. Yeah. And I think I think in both of those scenarios, What's happening is that we're putting, whether you're single or you're not, you're putting all of your relational needs 
hmm. on one person or one idea, right? And so the married woman who feels lonely in her marriage, it's possible that she is lonely because that maybe when she was dating, the only relationship that she was investing in, right, was with this, hmm. this one person. And I've had friends who've had to confess that, like they, you know, they start dating and then they ghost you and then they come back and they say, ah, I feel lonely. And you're like, bro, like. Was here the whole time. Uh-huh. I was here the whole time, but you left, right? But then also because they're putting all of their relational needs onto one person. And so I know that it's really, really cute to call your spouse your best friend. I know that it's cute, but it's, I mean, that's a lot. He got to be your husband and your best friend. Like, mm-hmm. like, like can he just be your husband? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. for, for single people, we can fail to invest in our friendships um, in a meaningful way because we're so focused on a romantic relationship. And so we think that intimacy, intimacy can only be experienced fully in that. But it's like, no, that's just one kind of intimacy. There's There's friendship, there's family, you know, like there's all these other ways that you can can relate to people. But when you're married or single and you put all of your hope, right, all of your Mm -hmm. sense of security and safety and meaning of life into this one kind of relationship, I think that enhances our feelings of of loneliness. We could just like sit in that for a while. I would be remiss not to mention that the current dating scene of our time is a little bit different than when maybe Brian and I were dating just a couple of years ago. Right, right? (laughs) Let it happen, Brian. Just a couple of years ago. And, I, you know, it's interesting. I think walking through the dating, I, I have several friends that are dating or want to be dating or... Listen, I've been on the couch with my friend doing the swiping thing, you know, whether she, sh- she should have been swiping or not swiping. We've uh, all done it. Was, it. Yeah, and it's kind of fun for me, quite frankly. I, I, you know, I was not tied to that. But how do you how do you encourage single people, man, in the courting? Which it's got to be harder. I mean, I do think it's only getting harder, not easier. Yeah. Do tell us you know, what do you do? I don't have the answers. <laughs> I'll start there. I don't have the answers, but I will agree that it is hard. Technology has has changed the game, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, when you go to the Cheesecake Factory, right? And it's this this menu with with all of these options and all of these choices. <laughs> you don't know what to pick, right? And then if you pick something and you realize like, ah, oh, man, I didn't know they had that on the menu. You know, I think you're discontent <laughs> with what you what you bought. And so then you're like, ah, let me let me return it, you know. And I think that's what is happening when it comes to that. There's like there's so, so many options. I don't think that we as humans were created to take in the amount of information that we are taking in through social media and apps. And I guess I would maybe also say that I don't know if as humans we were created to be able to have so many options, you know, like, mm-hmm. because yeah. it it can be paralyzing to make a decision about, about anything. And so I think dating apps can be, can be good, but they also can be harmful, right? Because what we're doing is we're making a decision about a person based off of superficial things, right? Even if we see that they're a Christian, right? It's like, but are they cute? You know, like, do I find them attractive? Is their profile funny? You know, like we we're making these like really snap decisions about people who are created in the image of God. And even though I know that in the app, that is all that you can do. Right. You can all you can do is make snap decisions. What can be harmful is that you start to take that kind of posture out into the world when you're interacting with people. Right. And so you see a guy or you see a girl and you're like, oh, they're cute. He bowed his head during prayer, you know, and he dresses nice, right? And so then you just start to move towards that person. And it and when you're on an app and when you're in person, that's different, right? Like it carries more weight in person than it does in an app. And I just don't know if 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 folks are are moving with that kind of nuance when it comes to 
dating. I think also, and this is probably just true, like 15 years ago now, I think one of the things the Lord has been doing in me is, is I don't, I've been praying, God, I don't want to just desire marriage for the sake of desiring marriage, but I would love it if I met a person and in meeting them, my desire for marriage grew, right? And I think that's sort of putting the horse back in front of the cart, right? When we're just desiring for marriage for the sake of marriage, then we're just looking for applicants. Like we're just looking for somebody to to fill the role, fill the position. And I'll be honest, I was dating a guy and I was like, you just want a wife. <laughs> you know, like this is not really about me. And I just felt so dishonored in that process, right? Because mm-hmm. he's trying to get me to fit into a mold so that I can be his wife. And he's also like, Okay, we on a three to six month timeline. I'm like, bruh, like I'm in seminary. That's not gonna happen right now. You know, <laughs> like, and so we start to make people a mean to an end. And I think when we do that, we're we're dishonoring, we're dishonoring them, we're dishonoring God. But I think a better way is like, yo, if I meet a person and I can see that there's some some synergy here, there's some 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 attraction here, there's some sharedness here. And I want to continue to grow in that, like to see where that goes and to move towards marriage. And I feel like that's a a, a, a healthier posture in terms of, of moving towards marriage. But sometimes we're not able to do that because, you know, we're just out here thirsty, you know. And so thirsty, you know, if you're not familiar with colloquialism, it just means being desperate, you know, and doing whatever you can to to get your man or to get your girl. And and that's not good either because you're shape-shifting, trying to be what you think this person wants you to be. You could be manipula- manipulating, hiding, masking, all these kinds of things. And, and so I think that's, if we can get that part right first, like not just desiring marriage for the sake of marriage and not making people a means to our end, that really helps us to enter into the dating space with open hands and a little bit more freedom. Mm. That's good. How how would you speak to the person who maybe has the mentality of of going to church or Christian events in the hopes of meeting the one, you know? And in some ways, you know, I say this realizing, you know, I met my wife Kristen at a Christian college and we were going to the same church. So there were two like overlapping environments that made it likely that I would meet someone kind of moving the same direction in life. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And at the same time, something also doesn't necessarily sit well about kind of putting myself in that environment specifically for that purpose. And so I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Like, is it is it better than just hanging out at the bar? Is it a wrong reason to to go to church? Is it wrong if you are at church for the right reason, but just happen to meet the right person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't think it's a bad idea, right? You want to see... <laughs> You want to meet someone who is like-minded. And so you will probably meet somebody there who is like-minded. I think you just have to, we we always, we always have to check our motives, right? Like we always have to check our motives. And I think, you know, to the person who is church hopping in search of their Boaz or their, their P31, <laughs> like I just, I think this is where this becomes problematic. You know, you show up at a church and you're like, I'm going to be here for three months. And, oh, man, okay. I, I've dated all the girls here. I've, you know, sensed that there's nobody here for me. So now I'm going to go to another church. That, listen, the church is not a bar or a dating app. Like, it's not some sort of watering hole where you do some sort of mating call and, like, you know, find your spouse. Like, that's not what the church is for. Like, the church is for worship and community and disciple making. and and fellowship, like that is what the church is for. And so when you cheapen, <laughs> when you cheapen like God's bride, you know, and, and make it, once again, this means to achieving your end, like you can can do some things that are going to be harmful, not only to other people, but also to you. Because here's the thing, you're forming your heart when you're doing that. You know, if you're going to church trying to get your needs met. Like, let's say that you go to church, you're looking for a spouse and you get you get your spouse, okay? 
praise God for you, right? Well, what happens when you have another need that comes up and that church doesn't readily meet that need, you know? Maybe maybe their children's ministry isn't isn't together, you know? And so what do you do? You just you just leave. Like you just leave so you can you can have a children's ministry so that you, you like like you leave but you don't think about how you can be a solution you know, or how you can make sure that everybody in the church has what they need. Everybody has childcare, you know, like you just, you just leave. And I think that's it, that kind of mentality forms our heart to see the church, like more like a mall, (laughs) you know, than a community that we are to contribute to versus like a mall that we are just to consume. And so I think that's where it becomes problematic. But yeah, like, I mean, I don't know where else I'm supposed to go to meet somebody, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but I don't go to my church to meet somebody. Mind you, there, there, are, there are very few single men at my church. You know, we are filled with young families, retirees who are married. I mean, talking about like been married for 40 years and I think that it's beautiful. However, I will say this, like I have, I'm able to be a part of that church because I have relationships with singles in other places. So just like I can't, people can't rely on their spouse to meet all of their needs. You can't always rely on your church to do all of that as well, right? And so I am committed to that body because I, I, I feel called there. I agree with the mission and vision, but that church doesn't have everything, right? That, that I need. And I think when we look at church that way, we're we're missing like really what we see in scripture about fellowship devoting themselves to the word making sure that everybody had everything that they need like that's what the church is for not not to you know find your boo thing so mm. i want to turn the conversation a little bit and talk about jesus and i, I don't mean that in like a now we have to talk like about jesus. jesus i like jesus too i mean i i think understanding how Jesus had relationships in the Bible and how he related to the people around him. Obviously, he was single. We don't ever see a problem, a a place in scripture where that was a problem for him. But I'm I'm, going to get in trouble here if I keep going down that road. But how do you relate in your relationship with Jesus? Where do you find encouragement, strength? How do you quench that thirst just personally for you? I think it's I think it's really coming to the place of like understanding that what I need most in this world is Jesus. Like that's, that's what I need. That's what I need the most. And so I think about, you know, the disciples, this encounter that, that, that they have with Jesus. Jesus is teaching about how he is the bread of life, right? And in John six, he says, I'm the bread of life. And he says like, yo, unless you eat of this flesh and drink of this blood, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And people are looking around like, Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it says that some of Jesus's followers leave. Like they leave Jesus, right? Because they, they're they like, this is a hard teaching we cannot understand. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus turns around and he looks at the 12 and he's like, yo, are y'all going to leave too? Like, are y'all going to leave me? And I love what Peter says. He says, where are we going to go? <laughs> you have the words of life. And I feel like, I feel like God has co- convinced me of that, like so much as he's revealed to me who he is, revealed to me his character as I spend time in his word and like see the the grand story that he is working towards and how like, you know, I, in what's it? First Corinthians six, it talks about how like the body was made for the Lord. You know, it's not made for sexual morality. It's made for the Lord. And I'm like, yes, my body is made for the Lord, like above everything else. Like it may be hungry. <laughs> it may be, you know, wilding out in the middle of the night. But at the end of the day, like what what it needs the most is the Lord. And so when Peter is like, yo, where are we going to go? Like you have the words of life. Like this is it for me. You know, that just kind of like gives me the conviction to move forward where I like really believe that I have everything that I need, right? Mm-hmm. If the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. And if as my father, he says that he gives good gifts to his children, he's not withholding something from me that's gonna like make my life 
good, right? Like he's given me everything that I need for my life to be good. And I remember I was reading this book about waiting. I won't, I won't call it out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I won't call it out. But it was something about like becoming the, the woman you were meant to be while you're waiting for your man. And I was like, okay. And I couldn't really get through the introduction and without the Lord pausing and being like, what are you waiting for? Your life has already started. Like mm-hmm. the day you, the day I made you my own, like that's the day that your life started. Your life doesn't start when you get married. Like the, the, it's already moving in the right direction. And so just those kind of shifts in my mind and knowing that God is like, he's wise and he's loving and he's powerful. And because of that and his wisdom, he knows what's best for me in his love. He, he actually wants what's best for me. And mm-hmm. in his power, he can perform what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at my life, I can trust that what I have is actually what is best for me based off of the fact that God is wise and loving and powerful. And that's really what helps me like only to be content, but just to be like joyful, you know, and to celebrate the life that I have and not sort of walk around as though I'm lacking something. It's starting with this whole idea that that God is a good father, that he is a good shepherd. And and I love that. I love when David says that the Lord is my good shepherd. The You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, I, I can I don't have to want <laughs> because the Lord is my shepherd. And so whatever he's given me, whatever he's provided for me is good and enough. And I can trust that it's enough, you know, versus feeling like God has neglected me in some way because I'm not married. Like our God is so much better than that, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Think about Jesus's words to Peter at the very end of the gospel of John, right? Peter's starting to look sideways at, at John, the apostle, as Jesus has just told him what, you know, the end of his road is going to look like. And he's like, well, Lord, what about him? And, you know, Jesus says, you know, what is that to you? You know, if, yeah. if I, you know, if I want for him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And I just think mm-hmm. that at that gaze, that forward gaze on Christ is so hard to maintain because we live in a world that is just constantly encouraging us to look sideways at, you know, not only is there, are there like dating apps where you can select from thousands of candidates, but then there's also social media, which just tells you what everyone else's relationship status is. And it's just so easy to look sideways and be like, well, what about him? What about her? Yeah. And just those words of, what is that to you? You follow me. So I I love that. Just that focus in what you're, what you're sharing, Yana. Yeah. And Brian, I'm so glad you used that passage because that has been me, you know, looking at friends of mine who have gotten married and had children and even having their very husbands come to me on their wedding day and say, this day would not have been possible without you. And I'm like, right, it wouldn't have. But why am I still single, <laughs> right? Like, and, and looking to Jesus and being like, you've called me to this this road, this this hard road. And I'm looking at everybody else and I'm like, why does everybody else get what they want? And the Lord is like, what does that have to do with you? <laughs> mm. Follow me, like, follow me. What I'm doing in their life doesn't have anything to do with what I'm, doing in your life it's different it doesn't it's not like y'all are on parallel roads and I'm you know giving out more gifts to to one child than the other like I'm a good father like and so I love that you brought that out like yeah what does that have to do with us you know follow Mm -hmm. follow him I also think oftentimes when I'm hearing people wanting to be married and longing for that spouse I think about first Samuel and it's it, the Israelites are pleading with Samuel to ask God for a human king to reign over them. And they're saying, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. But the people refuse to listen to Samuel in that passage. And they're like, no, we, we want a king over us. We want to be like all the other nations. We want a king to lead us. We want someone to go out and fight our battles. And I, it so often re- reminds me of women I've walked with who are like, no, I want a husband. I want a husband. I want someone that can do these things for me. But the reality is that they don't know what they're asking for. And it's like, if you if you knew what God knew, because God knows all things, mm-hmm. then you would be satisfied 
you're going to have to be satisfied in him alone. Otherwise, you will never be content. It doesn't matter what your relationship status is. But it's just that idea of, and and we I do that all the time. I'm asking for things that I don't realize what I'm asking for. And then once, you know, maybe the Lord says, fine, here, you can have it. And it's like, oh, well, shoot, can I give it back? <laughs> I want to, I want to yeah. redo. Like, I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. But do, do you, do you resonate with that? Or, or do you think I'm off in that? No, I don't think you're off at all. I resonate with that. And I think I've been, I think that's why my prayers have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, when I have this starting point that the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. I'm careful of for what I pray for, you know, mm-hmm. and not just as it relates to a spouse, but even other things, you know, maybe it'd be, be an opportunity to teach somewhere or to write something for someone. I very much want to live in response to God versus trying to get God to get on my plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because that, you know, if I were to get, if the Lord were to answer my prayers, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. I was to get what what I wanted, you know, yeah. And so I just, I just, I'm careful in how, and how I, how, and how I pray for things. Yeah. So I think one way, and I'm thinking about it in terms of how can I love the single people around me? Like, how can I be their friend and love them? And I think one way married couples can really love their single friends is by being honest about marriage. Like, I mean, and I don't mean that, like, I'm going to scare you out of a God-centered engagement. <laughs> But help them understand, like in First Corinthians 7, when Paul's really saying it's good to be unmarried and it's it's good for the widows to stay unmarried, as Paul was, like there's he's calling it good for a reason. And I, you know, I think even in this evangelical bubble that we swim in and out of, it's we've created this idol out of marriage, which in in turn has then hurt people who are not actually married or going to get married. But we're not being honest about how hard marriage is, and it ends up hurting people who think that they know what it is, but isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, my my married friends have served me well, you know, just letting me be in their homes and not trying to put on a front, sharing with me their frustration, sharing with me some of the complexities and, and hardships that are in marriage. I remember, you know, even like just sharing with sharing with friends about like my my wrestle, like like with like doing this God's way and not having sex outside of marriage and and all of that and just being like, man, my life would be easier if I was married and just having a friend say like, Yana, like 80, like 20% of marriage is is single is is sex. And maybe that's generous, you know? And just kind of saying like that sex isn't like it sounds that. pretty generous. <laughs> <laughs> like the sex that's isn't like marriage impressive is so much for whoever that is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah. so just having them say that, you know, I was like, what? Or even having my friends share with me like, yo, I really don't want to go on this date, but I know that it would be good for my marriage. I know that it would be good for my spouse to do that. And I'm looking at them like, what? You don't want to go on a date? Like, with you, you know, no, or... I want to sit in a dark corner alone reading a book. Uh, or <laughs> even not... having, you know, <laughs> one of my friends yes. was like, you know, when you get married, you have kids, people don't tell you like, how much people are going to touch you all day and just and I'm like what what are you talking about I would love that I think I would love that I don't know if I would actually love that but them sharing honestly about it and and not doing it to make me feel better about my life but just doing it because we're in community with one another and what I love about being in relationships with my married friends is that we get to lend each other our objectivity in the moments where it's hard, mm-hmm. right? In the moments where it's hard for them in their in their marriage, I can say like, listen, I don't know where you are at, but I do think the scriptures say this, you know, or I do think that how you are seeing this could be skewed, right? And they get to do the same thing for me. Like, hey, Yana, I know how you're feeling right now and it's really tough, but can I remind you of this truth? Now they ask, they don't just be coming in here with... <laughs> with it right but sometimes you know just having them lend me their objectivity to see my life in a way that I'm not able to see it because I'm in my feelings is really really helpful and so yeah my married friends have like I said before they have helped sober my desire for marriage showing me what it really is and how you know when Jesus says count up the cost for discipleship 
I think I, I think we should apply that to marriage. You know, like count up mm. the costs yeah. for that. Make sure that you actually have the emotional maturity and the desire to to like commit your yourself to another person over an extended period of time. Yeah, you know, one of the things I hear you saying in, in a lot of this is that contentment is not this whatever side of the fence you're on, whether single or married, contentment's not this static state that you just kind of get to and then stay in. Mm-hmm. It it really is what you're cultivating day by day. Right. So love to hear you just talk about practically how do you cultivate contentment on a day by day basis? Um, a couple of ways. I think one is like practicing thankfulness, taking the time throughout my day or at the end of my day to sort of remind myself of the ways in which God showed up for me. Right. And that just kind of helps me to remember that God is always with me. And then also it teaches me how to be thankful even in hard things. And so I think that's that's one thing. I think also it's it's taking my feelings to God on a regular basis. So a lot of times when we have feelings, one of our professors said we like to judge our feelings. You know, we have feelings about our feelings. And so I'm lonely and now I'm, I'm angry about the fact that I'm lonely and and I'm still not dealing with the loneliness, right, that I feel or the longing that I feel. And I feel this often, like after I've done some sort of ministry thing, I'm like, man, I just wish I had somebody to drive me home and cook me a meal (laughs) and snuggle with me on the couch while I like just sleep on them. You know, I just like, I just, I just wish, you know, I had that. And I remember confessing that to the Lord and then the Lord bringing, you know, bringing to mind all the ways that he had showed up for me through his people that day. Like, hey, Yana, your roommate got up early to cook you breakfast because she knew that you were going to preach. And she wanted to make sure that you were going to eat that morning. Hey, Yana, remember Sister Renee met you at the door and she took your bag and she prayed for you. Sister Renee, she she takes care of me. You know, like she brings my car around on Sunday morning. You know, like she she takes care of me. And and just like seeing how God is showing up for me through his people. And he's like, Yana, I know that you want this thing, but I, I want you to see how I am providing, right? And it's in that just very active, you know, I think Peter Scazzaro talks about, you know, paying attention to God through our emotions, like bringing those things to God allowing him to shine his light on those things and to and to comfort us and to correct us and to help us to see things that that what maybe we we are missing. And so I think those two two things practicing thankfulness, paying attention to God in my emotions and allowing him to to speak into those things. But then also like silence and solitude, you know, just learning how to to be still and it's just something about being still and not doing anything, feeling like you have to be entertained and all of that, that that really does cultivate contentment. It's like, I don't need a device in front of me, you know, like I don't need a person, you know, like I can just be still before God and 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 that be enough, you know. So those three things, I think, help help me. That's good. To be fair, after I've taught after a long weekend. I would like somebody to be cooking me dinner too. I've heard this uh-huh. is not a thing. <laughs> no, but you know what? Uber Eats is, and that's okay. And it'll probably taste better. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. somebody might bring me a meal. I might just go get pancakes or something, you know, just enjoy myself, you know, and mm-hmm. be be thankful for what God has provided versus sort of ruminating on what what I believe is lacking. I As we end here in a second, I want to make sure that we end talking about joy. You mentioned that at the very beginning, and I think that's so important to think about. It's just something I've been thinking about just in my own life in the last couple of months. I think particularly as you are navigating the waters of the life that God has given you, where do you seek to find those pockets of joy in the midst of of what you are, what we're talking about. Yeah, I find joy. And I know I'm supposed to say, like, I find joy in God. And I do. Yes, but I mean <laughs> but, in terms and, of yeah, experiencing but, yeah, him yeah. through yeah, yeah. the life he's given you. 
Yeah, I find joy in my friends, you know, curating weekends where we get away and we travel to a new city and we eat food together and uh, we laugh and we hike and we just are goofy with one another. I find an immense amount of joy in all of my nieces and my nephews. I find it a pleasure to be Auntie Yana and to know them and to love them and to even be a part of their discipleship. You know, I love supporting my friends who are married. I often tell my friends who are married, like, your marriage matters to me. <laughs> you know, like the success of your ma- marriage matters to me because I mean, if we if we are a family, right, if we are the church, we are the family and we're committed to one another, then I am as committed to the success of your marriage as 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 you are. Now, I might not be in the thick of it, but I'm going to pray for that thing. <laughs> you know, like I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to speak truth. You know, I'm going to extend grace. I'm going to, you know, watch the kids. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to do those things because I'm I'm committed to the success of your marriage. And then I I just find an immense amount of joy in sort of the race that God has put before me, you know? Hmm. And so I love that language in Hebrews 12 like run the race that God has put before you. And the race that God's put before me is 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 singleness, you know, whether it be long term or or seasonal. But mm-hmm. even in that, you know, being able to to use my gifts and talents, you know, for God's glory, you know. And, you know, my desire really is like to enjoy God and to to glorify him. You know, it's the chief and a man, you know, like to to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Like I I find immense joy when I can sense that that's what's really happening in my life, that that God is being glorified and that his people are being being edified. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I want to I want to go back. I said we were coming to an end here. We're not because I have one more question that I think is really important for us to talk about. And it's the it's the misconception that when you are content, then the Lord will bring you a spouse. Then I've seen that often of if if you are if you are finally arrived and you're whatever fill in the blank like I've heard it I don't know sanctification or contentment or whatever it might be the Bible never gives if then statements obviously the secret things belong to the Lord only the Lord knows if and when someone will get married can you speak a little bit to that like that false misconception Oh, yeah. She's like, yes, I can speak to that. (laughs) Listen, we have been out here lying to folks. (laughs) You know, we've been telling them that they put their head down and if they serve, then, you know, somebody will come along and see them and start running alongside them and then they'll get married. And maybe, maybe that'll happen. But, but maybe, maybe it won't, you know, maybe, maybe it won't. And I think what the danger, man, the danger when we say things like this is that people don't get mad at the person who said those things to them because they don't even remember who that person was. They get mad at God, mm. you know? Their anger gets directed towards God. And that's what happened to me. It was like, yo, I put my head down. I've, I've been serving in ministry since I, you know, since I can remember, you know, coming, with, coming to know the Lord, right? Like mm-hmm. I went straight into full-time ministry after college and have, have been doing that ever since. And and then that it bred this sense of entitlement, like that God owed me something because the formula that I was sold from the church or from whoever it was, was that like, if I serve God, he will bring me a spouse. Or even this whole idea of like, if you get to this point of contentment, then he'll come. That's dangerous too, because then like, you're not really trying to be content for the sake of contentment. You're just trying to manipulate a situation to get to get what you want and even then it's like well that's not contentment right like that's that's not that's not going to get you what you want and so I think we have to be really careful with these 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 narratives that we tell people and I think sometimes those things are are sort of out of our own story it's like well hey that's how God showed up in your life but that may not be how God shows up in somebody Hmm. else's life like God wants us all to be content you know, but like, is that's his plan? It's his plan for everybody. 
you know another thing we tell people is like if if they get their life together right they they prepare themselves for marriage <laughs> they'll be able to make that bend. Uh, mm-hmm. and here's what here's what the Lord's doing with me just with me he's like how about you just prepare yourself for my return you know mm. let's let's stop talking about for marriage how about you just prepare yourself for me <laughs> you know because that's something that's more certain and if we're just preparing ourselves for marriage if we're just preparing ourselves for a certain kind of context like we're not thinking about the whole of our lives. We're not thinking about how Jesus wants us to be like him in the workplace, you know, how he wants us to be like him in the neighborhood. We're just we're just centering on that one thing. And discipleship is is all of life, right? It's not just it's not just marriage. And so that's why I think we need to be real, real careful with these these things that we teach people because it can either cause them to miss the mark, you know, be short sighted. Or even end up having like difficulties in their relationship with the Lord that could have been mm. avoided. Mm. It really takes the transactional instinct completely out of the picture, right? Like if I do this, then God would do this. And really the promise is God gives me himself. That's mm-hmm. the gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why Job was so, so like disillusioned by what was happening, right? His theology said, if I'm a good person, then good things will happen to me. And then bad things happen to him. He's like, what's going on <laughs> right and he's dis- he's really disillusioned and has this crisis of faith because he's always understood the world to work in a particular way well i resonate with job and <laughs> i am married just for the record i resonate with job and i'm married and yeah so well where can people find you yana where can they find what you're doing yeah well you can find me on instagram at Yana Janae. It's Y-A-N-A-J-E-N-A-Y. Or you can find me at my website, Yana Janae, same spelling, dot com. And then I have a podcast called Living Single with Yana Janae. This season, we're talking about sex, sexuality, and singleness. And let me tell you, I can't wait for this season to be over. I didn't realize there was so much to talk about. And so... um. And so, yeah, so we've been talking about that. But in season one, we actually talk a lot about what we talked about today, like contentment. I walk through stages of singleness, different points of grief and and, and other emotions that you can have around, around singleness. And so those are a few places where people can find me. Well, great. Thank you for being with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, excited, excited. Yeah, thanks so much, Yana. <laughs> this is fantastic. You've been listening to This Versus That a podcast of Anchored Hope Virtual Counseling. To learn more about this episode or our ministry at Anchored Hope, visit anchoredhope.co.